卵の殻を破らねばヒナドリは生まれずに死んでいく我らがヒナだ卵は世界だ世界の殻を破らねば我らは生まれずに死んでいく世界の殻を破壊せよ Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Shadow Play Gaze, a podcast about the 1997 anime revolutionary girl Utena. As always, I'm your host, Derek Reining, and I'm joined by my co host, Christine Palin. How's it going, Christine? Oh, you know, doing so great, Derek. You know, I'm living it up, living my best、uh, muscular, tatted life. You know, gonna flex here, show off my Utena tattoo for everyone.、Um, Yeah, so,、uh, you know, unrelated completely to that, but that was some delicious curry you made the other day. Yeah, that was, it was pretty crazy, like that big explosion. And yeah, I'm glad we ended up okay. Nothing weird happened.、Absolutely. Obviously, we're clowning.、Um, I'm Christine, <laughs> that's Derek.、Um, but we're talking about a really fun episode of Utena that features、um, a little switcher, a little Freaky Friday moment.、Um, yeah. Curried High Trip, which is episode eight. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely、uh, coincidental that I just watched、um, the, that movie Freaky with Vince Vaughn. Oh,、um, is that good? Literally last night. It is very, very campy.、Um, they have a really, my favorite part was they used a really hilarious like, euphemism for gay.、Um, <laughs> they described a character as excited.、Um, it's, it's really funny.、Um, it was just campy horror fun. If you've seen Happy Death Day, you probably understand what you're getting into. Okay, gotcha. I have.、Um, yeah. Yeah, so、uh, just, yeah, so that's kind of the theme of this week、um, is body switching. Hell yeah.、Um, so before we jump into this, do you have any notes for our listeners?、Um, I don't think,、uh, once again, this one is not very high or not much in terms of like triggering content, as far as I know. I mean, obviously, Auntie or Utna in Auntie's body、uh, gets hit, but、um, she gives just as much as she gets in this episode.、Mm-hmm. So. There's that.、Um, other than that, I can't really think of anything really, unless you、um, have something against elephants on surfboards. Yeah. <laughs> so,、uh, before I jump into the episode, as always, I'll do my little notes on the who's who.、Um, so, this one, the storyboards were done by uh, Satoshi uh, Nishimura. And this is one of two episodes for Utena he worked on.、Uh, I didn't recognize a ton of his credits, but he was credited as a key animator on the very first episode of Sailor Moon, which I thought was cool, and worked on Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. Oh, interesting. Okay.、Um, and then this one was directed by Akiko Nishiyama. And this is the only episode of Utena、uh, he directed. And not, again, not too many credits I recognize, but he worked on Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Destiny. Interesting. Okay. These, I just... hope these words mean something to <laughs> you. I mean, I've not watched either of the Seed series, but I hear those are some. Because、um, uh, once you get outside of like,、uh, the original like, Tomino made stuff, things get very divisive among fans. But I've heard mostly good things about the Seed series.、So. We got to phone a friend. We got to phone in Audrey. <laughs> I'm sure、yes. she's seen them. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking about like, the early stuff, I could have been all over it, but sadly, I'm、mm-hmm. not.、Um, Sea seeded, whatever you want to. I'm not, I'm not seed pilled. <laughs> seed pilled.、Um, and then this one was written by、uh, Ryori Yamaguchi.、Um, and so he pre- previously wrote Take Care of Miss Nanami.、Um, he's a Sailor Moon alum, wrote a ton of episodes of Sailor Moon. And this is, he was the one who worked under the pseudonym Noburuhiga on Utena. And spoiler alert, he wrote like pretty much every Nanami centric episode of the show. Now that we're on the second one, I thought I'd mention, like, I liked it. Like, anytime, like, Nanami is featured prominently, or, and, like, in this episode, it's not really a Nanami episode, but, like, a Nanami 
induced comedic episode <laughs> it's always this guy so uh i think the gay community has a lot to thank him for um for giving us a lot of great nanami content um so thank you ryota yamaguchi absolutely wow that's it must have been so gratifying to like be called in every time like we have to do, we're doing a nanami episode we got to get you in here nanami's got to go to india and get chased by elephants <laughs> you're our guy yeah um it's funny that you said that one the director had only directed this episode like imagine just like coming in directing the best episode of the show and then dipping <laughs> well so i didn't I, I wish I would have dug a little more, but this is the one where, like, the reason, because this was switched around with uh, Take Care of Miss Nanami, episodes six and eight were supposed to be in reverse order. Um, and this is the one with the the, prop, the reason they had to switch them around, because they, like, I think, like, an outside animation studio was contracted out to do it. So I don't know if uh, Akiko Nishiyama was, like, just someone, like, who was involved with that. Because, um, yeah, this is the only episode of the show he worked on. But yeah, that's a good reminder that this was supposed to air as episode six. This was supposed to happen right after the Mickey episodes and before the jury episode. Um, it doesn't really impact our understanding of the episode as much. But, um, you know, in the Take Care of Miss Nanami episode, we're supposed to already know what the uh, exchange diary is. And we don't actually see it being used until this episode. So just a reminder. And I think it'll, I have a couple of times when I want to bring it up because there's certain things that are more interesting when you consider where this was supposed to air um mm -hmm. yeah it, it makes sense like because what Mickey like still like factors kind of like he's like pretty present in this episode um and jury is like still like she gets like one line i want to say and goes unnamed i think um so you can see like how like why it would fit in there i will say though i feel like the, the exchange diary mystery is more fun in this order to me um just because you get that hilarious like one-off joke from sayonji and then you kind of like they actually like hone in on it in this episode yeah um, like it still works the or in the order it aired um like again it doesn't actually like change our understanding of the episode uh so it all worked out it did <laughs> and yes. it's a great episode it is a really fantastic episode so hilarious um but also like i feel like they do a lot of fun stuff a lot more fun stuff than i remember them doing with the whole like switcheroo stuff like yeah. um like actually like doing some character explanation here. i have so many thoughts about like this this episode again is one that i sometimes people kind of flippantly would refer to it just because again a comedy episode and it is comedic and there are elephants on surfboards but like i think this episode does a lot of interesting stuff with the way the show more broadly like interrogates identity and like performance and identity as performance and like the way how other people see you might impact the way you see yourself so yeah i've got so many thoughts <laughs> yeah well i mean it's how fitting that the episode starts with um us looking down at utana and anthi through glasses through a window so through different like two different degrees of separation between us and the characters and it's Nanami using opera glasses that look a lot like her brothers. Yeah, so we're uh, like, well, before we do that, we this is the first time we get the Once Upon a Time mm -hmm. opening since on the night of the ball. And at first glance, I just always kind of assumed this was thrown in to eat up a couple extra minutes of runtime. Because uh, it doesn't feel as immediately thematically relevant to me as when it was used in the ball episode because of everything with Toga in that episode. And Uta wondering if that's her prince. But I think there's something to be said for the way this episode, again, is playing with identity and the way identity can be understood as like a role we play in our lives. So it does make sense to me while we're reminded of why Utena is like playing the role of the prince um, in her day to day life in this episode in particular. But yeah, 
it's worth i just want to mention that because it's the first time we get that opening since like episode uh three yeah i noted that too because like you said it, it has been a while um and i mean obviously like we don't really talk about the prince in the actual text of the episode or anything but like you said it is always i i don't know i I'm sure, like you said, there a part of it is just like we want a little. We need to fill out the 22 minutes, but I mean, I don't know. It's more fun to pretend that there's like a little more intent there than that. Mm-hmm. And even if there is an intent, like we can still read it as as a cho- artistic choice that might have uh, meaning. So we're gonna Absolutely. do that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> oh, we were gonna do that anyway. Yeah, of course. Opera glasses. Yeah. So opera glasses. Watch. We've seen Toga use them twice. Then Jury. Potentially the diff- different pair of opera glasses. And now Nanami. Um, and this is the first time we've seen the opera glasses used with outside of the context of a duel. Yeah, it's almost like this, because um, um, Nanami obviously like isn't in the student council. She doesn't seem aware of the Rosebride stuff. Um, so this is like kind of, the school is kind of her version of the dueling arena, honestly. Um, so it makes sense that she's like fulfilling, she's like uh, aping her brother. I'm assuming Toga has done this move before in other situations in her life and she's just like mimicking that at least i hope so because that seems like exactly something toga would do yeah (laughs) so yeah she's like watching them like in home ec class basically (laughs) and she's with her lackeys and and their their plot this time so again this was supposed to happen right after the mickey episode so it kind of makes sense why nanami is a little like still like pressed at anthi and utina after you know uh Anthe Himemi is a weirdo, snail in a pencil box, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like she's moved on from snails and snakes and octopi and is now uh, the prank is just to make the curry really spicy. <laughs> like she doesn't want to cause an explosion. That's like that the the outcome. But like her I think it's funny that her prank is just like make a really spicy curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i feel like it's, it's a downgrade and yeah i was gonna say we've like de-escalated a little um yeah it's funny that um her she says here in this moment her motivation in this moment seems to be uh she says that'll teach my brother not to ignore me um so it's not like she's mad specifically at Anthea or utina she just feels like toga's uh paying more attention to them than her so like we said her solution is to make them eat spicy curry yeah like which like yeah nanami if you're listening like we love you like we love your you know your girl boss we love your your business of pranking but you come on you can do better you can do better we have notes we have notes yeah um but then nanami's lackeys inform her that they have accidentally put in a nine billion fold curry instead of the intended like nine thousand or nine hundred fold or excuse me one hundred it's supposed to be one hundred fold curry (laughs) i don't know what fold means in terms of like curry spice i've just had like spicy curry or very spicy curry um but they've accidentally put in nine billion fold curry and almost immediately the home ec classroom literally explodes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so perfect um it's i kept noting this felt very um shades of spongebob um the, <laughs> the dying for pie episode oh um, yeah very mm-hmm. Ooh. it's utina's influence knows no bounds honestly <laughs> i would love for someone to make like a, a shot comparison between like an ep- episodes of utina and episodes of spongebob i'm sure you can find like anything could be an utina reference <laughs> absolutely and and they are um 
I have a Nutena yeah. reference. You're a Nutena reference. Absolutely. That is why I was made as a reference. I can't me. believe they made gay people from Utena into a real thing. I know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Her impact. Um, but I, my note from this scene um, is um, Utena and Anthe are fucking dead. <laughs> so like, Basically, how... that's like the first time I watched this. It's just like I'm so, this episode is so immediately like, oh, we're doing this. Because <laughs> then we like immediately cut to the student council meeting and it's very dire we learn that they're like hospitalized <laughs> and toga calls it a great crisis um and i find it i find it very funny the way miki is like blaming himself for this because apparently he told Anthe he likes he wants to eat a spicy curry and like once again like with his sister he's blaming himself for something that wasn't his fault like his sister doing poorly at the recital wasn't his fault uh, him being sick so he missed the recital wasn't his fault um, again, him giving like ca- giving himself a more important role in the story uh, than he actually has, and um, we've seen he again hasn't learned much from his last episode. <laughs> no, not at all. And I, I really love that Toga. Um, when Mickey is saying it's all my fault, fault, Toga's like, we can't say it's entirely your fault, but he, he does not absolve Mickey of any sort of guilt here whatsoever. It's so funny. He's such a dick. <laughs> he is, and then. Not only is he a dick, he also has the world's tiniest cell phone. Yeah, this is the first time we see a cell phone on the show. <laughs> yeah. And it's I'm, really jarring. <laughs> it is very jarring. It's also jarring to see an airplane later. Um, I like I like it. It's, it adds to the sort of confusion and uh, otherworldliness of this episode. Like, sure, why not give him literally a little baby, like a little cricket phone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because like, we don't know when this show is taking place and in what kind of world necessarily it's taking place. All we know is we're at this academy, and so it is really funny the first time someone pulls out a cell phone and you're like, okay, I guess we're at least in like, I mean, it's small enough to be like, again, okay, this show was made in the late 90s. I guess this is taking place in the late 90s. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's very funny the first time he pulls out the phone and like starts talking to someone. Um and that he finds, we find out that they've been uh, released from the hospital. Yes, um, and the perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing um, has happened. Episode nothing. ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that you can um, instantly tell that something is off because Auntie is holding her bag the way Utana does. <laughs> like, I love that little note of detail. I mean, obviously, also. Um, the literal the voice actresses are different, which is like my I, my one gripe. I wish they had like had the voice actresses like try to pretend to be each other, but I, I mean obviously it's just a lot easier shorthand to just be like just literally switch their voices so we understand instantly what's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it like it's it is interesting to do, make that choice of like having the voice actors like just like what they did. I think is interesting because it adds to like kind of like disconnect of like the body and the self. Um, but it would have been fun to, to, it's always fun when people play other people. Um, but it it also helps the viewer kind of track what's going on more easily, uh, for For sure. sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but they do also hammer home pretty quickly when we see Anthe balling it. (laughs) So, well, the first hint is when Wakaba jumps on Utena and like it like crumples to the ground like under the weight of Wakaba and I Wakaba is so cute the way she's like oh my god should I call an ambulance um and Anthe's voice from Utena's body tells her it's not necessary and we get this shot of again like it's that's not an Utena face that's not an Utena pose but it's Utena's body um and she just looks different 
from than usual and Waka was like you're acting weird <laughs> like like um there's a lot of talk on the show about no- being normal and not normal and Utena is not acting her normal because well as we learn it's not Utena right exactly yeah it's funny because I forgot this was a body switch episode until that moment like, <laughs> right so this is what's happening um but I do, like we said, Anthe is suddenly doing all all of the things we know and love from Utena. She's playing basketball. She's hopping over fences. She's playing ping pong. I know things we've never <laughs> seen Utena do. We've never seen yeah. Utena play ping pong or hop over fences. But like, sure. That was that was really cracking me up because like basketball. That's like instantly we remember that from like those first two episodes. We've seen those scenes before, um, and then to get her jumping over a fence and ping pong. Like, <laughs> it's like, sure. Yeah, that seems like a Utena thing. That's so Utena. So Utena. And, and on the other hand, we see uh, Utena as Anthe do something we've never seen Anthe do. Like, Anthe's doing things we expect of Utena, but then Utena and Anthe's body, she's being harassed by Nanami's lackeys. Because uh, they are under the impression that that's Anthe. And they say that they, like... That you won't have that tomboy forever. There's a couple instances in this episode where Uten's referring to her like it's a tomboy, and like in the Sionji th- exchange diary, it's like inherently negative. Here, it's like it's like feels aggressive. Um, so we've seen like Uten's like gender expression be commented on like positively as like a novelty, but in this episode, we also see it kind of commented on like negatively. Um, and Nanami is watching. Nanami is like does a lot of like watching in this show in general my my co-worker lance is watching um the show for the first time and he is big into nanami's voyeurism um so <laughs> i want to give lance a shout out because i know he loves nanami's voyeurism um uh, because it's very funny but anyway she's watching and the girl slaps Anthe, and Anthe slaps her back it's utina and Utena's voice and Anthe's body is basically like, fuck around and find out, basically. <laughs> I literally have that um, that screenshot of Anthe with like her hand up, like, let's fight for real. I That's so so many instant iconic moments with a- aggressive Anthe here. Um, I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, but like you said, uh, instead of a peeping Tom, we've got a peeping Nanam me. Um <laughs> I had, I'm sorry, I had to do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, a, it's a fun little moment because we've seen Anthe literally get hit by, like, I want to say in half the episode so far, we've seen this happen to Anthe. Um, and so it's it's gratifying to see, it's not her doing it, but it's gratifying to at least see Anthe in that moment, like, fighting back in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only because it's Utsuna in her body. Um, it's interesting, but it's also worth noting that uh, Anthe in Utsuna's body is watching as well. Mm-hmm. And Mickey is like uh, shocked that he's a, it's like gentle, innocent Himemia is 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 not gentle and innocent anymore. And again, this is kind of getting back to the idea of like in his episode, you know, Nanami was trying to get Mickey to be like disillusioned with Anthe, and it never happened. But this is like the episode where he is kind of disillusioned with Anthe, <laughs> but it takes like putting Utena in Anthe's body. Um, but the uh, not like it's like. The Nami's lackeys are speaking of voyeurism. They're taking like photos, like spy photos. I think they literally refer to them as like spy photos. Literally, of all of of like you mentioned, like Anthe jumping over the fence, playing ping pong, Uchna watering the roses in like the same exact pose that like 
Um, we've seen Anthe's body do it in. Um, like, Anthe as Utena drinking tea. Um, <laughs> and this is where they, Nanami and her lackeys realize that they've switched personalities and that their, quote, behavior patterns have switched places. Um, so I don't know about you. I've always, like, every time I've talked about, like, this kind of scenario or heard it talked about, I always say body swap. But this episode, like, they, they, they emphasize it's the personalities have switched and the patterns of be- behavior patterns have switched. And I do think it's interesting to call it that because it kind of get, is getting at something compelling about the way, like, identity is constructed in terms of, like, performance. Like, mm-hmm. what makes Utena Utena and what makes Anthe Anthe? Like, is it the, the body they're inhabiting? Is it the what they do? Like, I don't know. It's, I don't, like, it's, those are questions we don't really have an answer to in terms of, like, exactly, like, how identity, what I, what makes you you. But. Right, exactly. It's interesting because they are talking, of, like, they only realize after, like, noting all these differences between them, they never ask. Because it's, like, the it's Anthe and Utena in each other's bodies are, like, in, like obviously they're aware of the situation. And I'm sure if anyone, like, asked them directly, they'd be like, yeah, it's we're just in each other's bodies right now. Um, but they, like, it, like you said, it's interesting that, um, first of all, that people, like, it takes a while for people to notice. And second of all, people to find it very, very, um, interesting and compelling. Like, speaking of voyeurs, like you said, like, everyone is very, very interested. I love the escalation of, like, um, Miki's buying the photos and then, and Toga literally buying the negatives of the photos. (laughs) He loves them so much. Um, and it's interesting, it's like... Yeah, what is it about that that's so compelling to see these two characters kind of go against um, what people expect of them to when when they're not acting normal? Suddenly, everyone's even more interested than they were. Like, obviously, Utsun is pretty popular, and this like the girls who like idolize her say like this they just love her even more now. But now, Anthe is also like seen as really cool too um, for not acting like Anthe, um, which is it's interesting uh, that uh, it's like. The girl who usually is performing these sort of like in let's say masculine ways uh, is like being celebrated here, like by her peers. And then also when she's being feminine, she's being celebrated. But then the girl who's like normally being very feminine is like ignored or um, like no one pays attention to her when she's acting like traditionally feminine. And now when she's suddenly performing these like sort of like doing ping pong uh suddenly everyone's really interested in paying attention to her it's it's interesting yeah i i think it gets back at like the novelty of like seeing someone like yeah behave outside of the expectations because it's the same the girls like Uchina's like fangirls have the same response to her when she wears the dress in the ball episode like almost mm-hmm. exactly like i like her when she wears her prince uniform but i like her even more now seeing her dress and i think it's yeah it's the novelty and it's like kind of the yeah, it's like this like fascination of um, kind of yeah seeing someone play a role or behave outside of the way that's expected of them, and it's it's always interesting. Like the the, the ball scene is always interesting. Like you would you would think you know maybe her her admirers would be less interested in her if she's wearing a dress or acting feminine. But I think it's yeah it's not necessarily like what she's doing. It's the fact that it's like different from what she's usually doing. That makes right. it like more interesting, but it's like, absolutely. I mean, we could talk about this for hours about like, <laughs> like I like 
so much identity who are we literally um, <laughs> yeah um and i do also love that um when they figure out it's a body swap um they say i think it's an anonymous who's like but that's silly as if she doesn't realize what show she's in um, yeah she's like, she's not learned she's not caught up yet no <laughs> i just love that moment like that's ridiculous after <laughs> curry caused a, a massive explosion she, this is a step too far for her is the body swap um <laughs> Yeah, um, like I said, Miki and Toga are hilarious in it. Um, and I do also love that Nanami, like, once she's, like, called out for, like, causing this to happen, she's, like, proud of it. And she's, like, bragging about it to everyone. Like, oh, yeah, this was all me. Yeah, because, um, like, in front of Toga, like, she doesn't want him to, like, n- know that she's responsible. She doesn't want to, like, um, disappoint Toga but the, like when Anthea and Utena arrive they think Toga did it because I see him with like the negatives and Utena at, in Anthea's body says like oh I figured you were pulling strings behind the scenes and but like Nanami doesn't want them to think that Toga like cares about them that much <laughs> so then she's like no it was all me and then she like rip, rips a sick Ojo-sama laugh that's like they're, they're like this is like her big Ojo-sama laugh moment um and but in doing that and taking credit and trying to like distance Toga from them, she has disappointed Toga uh, because now he knows that she was behind this. Um, and then Nanami backpedals and tries to make it sound like an accident. Um, <laughs> just like Nanami's like juggling all of her like she's trying to like do this like really complicated choreography to make Toga like as happy as possible without get, like giving Anthea Newton like anything to work with. <laughs> it's so hilarious um and also but it's uh something i noted here um when toga says like he's, he's disappointed um he says i'll forgive you um if you go find the spice in india um but until you do you can't come back home which is just like what uh, like that is like a really horrible thing to say to someone but she's 13 literally a 13 year old child can't go home until she finds a spice and but Nanami's reaction is like instantly she's smiling and happy. She's like, because all she heard was like, "I'll forgive you," and so, so anything else that comes after that, she's like, is willing to put up with. Um, so that's just an interesting sort of note on their relationship or the dynamic there, where Toga can like, he's like, seems very docile in that moment. He doesn't seem angry. He's just like very tacitly saying like, "Yep, you have to do this, or else you just don't. You have to live on the street, I guess." And so it's, I don't know, adds a sort of sadness to that moment of, like, Nanami's really willing to put up with that just for his affection or his forgiveness. Yeah, and, like, again, this this would have aired before the, the Take Care of Miss Nanami episode, but we have that, like, line from Sayonji about, like, the things you do to be close to the one you love and everything Swabaki's doing in that episode to, like, be close to Nanami. You know, like, Nanami's, like she's willing to like go to India and like get chased down by elephants and with like unaccompanied minor like in her little <laughs> friends and do all this like just so Toga will continue to love her and like continue to think about her. Um it's like not even so much like Toga's forgiveness. I think it's he she wants Toga to forgive her, but like, you know, if she like can't come home, she can't be near Toga, you know. And it's, it, yeah, it's really sad when you think about, like, what she's willing to do just to be loved by her brother um, in the same way. Swabaki's willing to do certain things to be considered her brother. And, um, yeah, it's a bummer. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that makes me kind of wish that these two episodes, those two episodes were paired together. But like I said, obviously, that's just not how the schedule worked out. 
Um, but uh, speaking of uh, Nanami kind of like uh, mimicking Toga um, with the opera glasses before, she also throws in some English here when she <laughs> shouts, I shall return <laughs> in full English, which I thought was just hilarious. <laughs> And, like, so the, 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 I think the next thing we see is them on the plane, like, as, like, Toga, like, is watching, and her Nanami, her Nanami's lackey, lackeys look terrified. Yeah, <laughs> they, like, they didn't sign up for this, like, they're just, we still, we don't even know their names. Like, yeah. They're being sent to India, like, just, like, literally, like, four 13-year-old girls <laughs> sent to I hunt down that. some spice. Yeah. <laughs> Good, and, I believe it. They can do it. And um, so then we the next is the the first shadow girl segment so the, the shadow girls are different this episode they're split into two segments and they're more like it's it's they say lecture there's less of a play and more it's more like didactic like it's more like we're gonna like more explicitly teach you something um it's still you know they still do a little skit with the gangster stuff but it's yeah it's a it's a little different than we usually get yeah they talk about this idea of divine justice here um, it's, it, they proceed it though by talking about um, they refer they're like we're gonna talk about four character words for I believe like love or affection or love something. and youth love and youth and so but then they present divine justice and then they, they display an example of divine justice or I like karma I guess is essentially what they're referring to here um, with the gangster and the shooting and it hits like a little figure and bounces back and hits the girl um and i assume this is of course referring to nanami here um <laughs> instant karma for uh trying to feed someone spicy curry now she has to tre- trek across india exactly um, <laughs> that's I will, karma yeah i i take this as referring to the whole like body swap as being divine justice for nanami and her pranks uh even though in the end it turns out it wasn't actually nanami's fault that this happened uh it was Monty's cooking, she still has to pay the price for trying to, like, hurt them in the first place um, and go on this, like, treacherous trek to India. Um, Yeah, it's it's, um, interesting price to pay for just, like, a a pretty minor prank she was trying to do, but it's more like this, I think, getting at the sentiment of what she's trying to do. Like, it's not so much what she was trying to do specifically this time, it's just the, the fact that she's, like, trying to go out of her way to, like, hurt Uten and Anthi and this is where it gets her. Right, exactly. But it's it's also, like, just, like, outside of, like, the specifics of the episode, it's also worth, in, like, noting this idea of even, like, bringing in the idea of the divine or, like, some otherworldly force out there who is, like, keeping track of these things and doling out justice as they see fit. Um, we've seen, like, we've heard references to end of the world and God and Dios and all this stuff. Um, so this is just kind of another one of those little things here where we're talking about um, the idea of some greater power being at play here. So true, bestie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 uh, but I think this uh, we start to get into what I think is like the most interesting part of the episode, which is when Anthi and Utna start t- talking about the idea of swapping back. Mm-hmm. Um, Utna is like very like determined, like we have to switch back. I can't stay like this. And Anthe doesn't care either way. She's having a ball. She doesn't mind um, being Utna. Um, and it's it's interesting that they like they had this sort of conversation here where Anthe's like, yeah, if we don't switch back, that's okay with me. <laughs> like, it's very it's very telling of I guess how they feel about themselves or how they feel about how they're perceived by other people. 
Because um, for Usuna, it's very important that people see her for her. Whereas Anthe maybe is not so tied to how people perceive her as Utena is. Yeah, and there's something, another interesting part of this scene of, like, when, when Utena in Anthe's body does the high jump, um, and, you know, Utena says, like, there's just something wrong about you complimenting your own body. And Anthe says, I've never been good at sports, so it's, like, wonderful to see myself doing so well. But it's interesting because Utena is in Anthe's body doing this. Like, Anthe's body's capable of doing this. Like, like it's not, like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, like, getting at that, like, this idea that, like, yeah, they're like Anthe could have could do the high jump. Like we see that her body is capable of it. What's stopping her uh, from doing it um, normally? Like I don't know. It's because there's nothing in Utina's brain in Anthe's body that makes her good at the high jump. Uh, right, like, exactly. That's something Anthe could have done on her own. Because um, it's it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just found that interesting. It's almost like the polar opposite of the earlier with the Wakaba seat, where Utina's body. Obviously, we know Utina can handle Wakaba's weight, but Auntie crumples under it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I do like they like really nail that home there with this little scene, um, and I really like that. Um, uh, then then we get uh, the Sayonji scene where we learn about the exchange diary. Well, first we get the first hard cut to Nanami being chased by three elephants because oh. oh, right. like, there's a great hard cut where Auntie's like, "Oh, I'm sure Nanami's doing just fine," and then it cuts <laughs> to like all, I think all of the elephant scenes in this episode are so funny with the timing on it. It's like every time like we cut to Nanami and her f- lackeys in India, it like we have like half a second to get used to what we're seeing before like elephants are like uh, like immediately on screen. Like they they, they waste no time, and it's just like it's increasingly absurd. But it's, this is the first time it happens. Yeah. Um, and then the one more thing I wanted to say is like, God, Utina being like, oh, I don't I don't want to end up as the some sacrifice to the rose seal. It's like, how do you think Anthe might feel about that? This is like a god lover, but like this could have been more of like if Utina thought about like things for like more than five seconds, like this could have been like a huge like wait, like how does Anthe feel about this? Like if I'm in her body for like a day and I feel like I don't want to be a sacrifice to the rose seal, uh, whatever. Like I don't think Utina even knows yeah. what she's talking or she's no. like, making that up. But like you know, hmm, if you feel so badly about this, like how does it feel for Anthe to exist all the time? Just another example of our himbo legend um sadly not really using critical thinking skills beyond the immediate yeah yeah she <laughs> like yeah it's almost like word salad she's just like throwing all the words she knows together rose seal uh no one's ever talked about a sacrifice no. before <laughs> um but yeah like you said that's very interesting this could have been like a breakthrough moment for Usuna, but it's just like it's a good reminder that that's not how her brain operates and also she's still like a middle school girl like she's she's only concerned about just getting back into who she is um and does not take the time to wonder why Anthe is so okay with not being back in her own body yeah like she doesn't really question that or push on that she's just like yeah but I want to be back in mine so like that's just the way it's gonna be yeah like Anthe's Um, just vibing (laughs) literally she's having fun she likes watching her body be good at sports and she likes I, I don't know having long luscious pink hair i can't blame her 
So then we get the, yeah, we get the Sionji scene. I think Abdi also likes not having to deal with Sionji. Um, oh, God. She's very, like, yeah, she's, like, very, like, quick to let uh, Utena as Anthi uh, go with Sionji. Because he shows up and he's like, oh, Anthi, I've been waiting for you. And he pulls Utena's Anthi away and Anthi just kind of, like, gently waves. <laughs> and we, before we get to the actual scene, we get another hard cut to Nanami and her friends with the snakes in the truck. <laughs> And then the truck that gets knocked over by a bunch of elephants. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's perfect, perfect comedic timing with the elephants and just great escalation each time. Um, so hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, their minds their running minds. in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we get, I love watching Utena like try to be Anthe It's here. really funny. <laughs> like she, her Anthe or Utena's version of Anthe is insane it's like she's like a the most i don't even know how to describe it she's like hyper feminine like the most like generic sort of like anime school girl character like high-pitched voice like oh like covering her covering her eyes that scream um, the, she does is so funny the scream the way she runs later too is hilarious um but yeah this little scene here um where obviously the is sort of like we're led to believe at the beginning like something sexual or something is going on here and then we get the exchange diary uh that we found about earlier and apparently it's something that uh Sionji and Anthe will write in they'll write to each other uh in this diary I don't think at any point we hear Anthe writes at all in there it's only we only hear what Sionji writes yeah like yeah we, we never yeah we never see when, when Uchina eventually does write in it we only see what Sionji's written I'm really curious as to what like Anthe has written so like the first time we hear this reference is in the second episode when Toga and Sayonji are talking in the Kendo depression chamber. Um, and then again in the Take Care of Tsunami episode. So this is clearly something like important to Toga. <laughs> like, and we as we see, like, like I love Utina's response to like all of all of like Sayonji. She's like, oh, like Sayonji, like you really are like just like a sincere guy. Like he she realizes like, like he, he sucks, but like this is like this is serious for him. Um, I also think it's interesting he says look at the real me as he pulls the exchange diary out uh, I said like it's implying that he like views the exchange diary as a, like a reflection of his true self in what he is writing um, I, you know we've again the like, objects and their importance like jury's locket um, is like you know, potentially be an extension of herself or at least a part of herself Sionji similarly pulling a uh, diary out of his chest of his bare chest um and saying this is like look at the real me and i wrote god sayonji is such a pathetic little loser isn't he i I think he's like the biggest loser on the show i've come to like enjoy sayonji as a character um he's like it's a dude he sucks um but i think he's like a very interesting as uh, this like just pathetic dude <laughs> Very, yeah, and it's interesting you said, like, out of his chest, um, almost mm. like the sword. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> what a sad little guy, but damn, can he doodle up a storm. <laughs> that, that doodle. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah, was, yeah, so we get, again, another, like, after this scene, the scene is sandwiched with the Nanami elephant scene, because in this one, it's the going it's the up bridge. the mountain. Yes, the, the mountain, mountain and then they all fall off the mountain. God, this, there's so many of them. Every time I have to, like, draw attention to one as we're talking, I'm like, this happens so much. <laughs> so then, yeah, then we cut to back to, like, Utena in her room, uh, looking at uh, looking at the, the diary, 
And she's like, well, it's best to get the actual person to write in here. She's like, oh, but I can't tell Anthe I've like, I have it since she'll know I have it. And then Anthe, as Utena appears, it is immediately like, oh, that's the diary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like, why aren't you already writing that? Yeah, like, <laughs> you should have been writing in that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's very telling of obviously how Auntie feels about the diary. It's like, mm-hmm. to, I think um, Utena like clearly like has some reverence or like is trepidatious about opening it because she assumes Auntie is like pouring her heart out like it's any other diary into this thing. And obviously it's not precious to Auntie at all. <laughs> um, it's her, her, a very similarly like cavalier um, like to how she's treating the whole body swap. It's like this thing that presumably a diary um, I mean, we've heard it referred to as someone's identity already, Sionji's. You would think that Anthe, as someone writing in this diary, would feel the same, but she doesn't. It's the same with her body, too. It doesn't really mean much to her, it seems. Yeah, I think one of the most telling lines in this episode is in this scene when Anthe's encouraging Utena to write in it, and she says, you happen to be Anthe Hinemiya at the moment. You happen to be. Uh, again, getting at, like, this idea that, like, you know, I, I don't know. I just found that I've always found that line so interesting. Like it I am, I am not Auntie Himemia at the moment. You are. Um. So, yeah, yeah it's just very yeah, fascinating way line to say there. <laughs> absolutely, it's it's getting at this idea of like Auntie's identity is very transient to her. I mean, it makes sense though, given that the role of the Rose Bride is by definition like she is at any given moment supposed to be one hundred percent devoted to whoever whoever it is doesn't matter she just always has to be 100 percent devoted to whoever that person is so of course auntie himemiya as an identity is not precious to auntie um she clearly takes her rose bride duties very importantly but she's treating the auntie sort of persona as just like whatever it's it's how the outside world sees her um which is like that's why that line is so telling because the way she refers to Auntie Himemi as like a, in the third person, like she knows that Utina is in her body, but she still is like, no, you're Auntie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so clearly she s- understands that the role of Auntie Himemi is very centered around how others see that Auntie um, and the roles she's supposed to play. Um, so <laughs> it's a very, very, very loaded line. Um, like you said, sandwiched between elephants and um, a very silly drawing. Yeah. And and um, this episode, yeah, obviously, the way this is episode is played so comedically, when you're watching for the first time, you know it's all going to be resolved at the end. But God, what if it hadn't? Like, what if they like had been stuck like this? Like, who who would be the Rose Bride? Would it be like Utena and Anthe's body? I think it would be like, because it doesn't matter. Like, it's it's what other people see that seems to matter. And so like, would... Anthe and Utina's bodies start dueling. Like, it's just like, who. It is. <laughs> this the would implications. have had a lot of implications on, like, how does this work and what is important? Is it the person inside the body or is it the body? Right, exactly. I mean, Anthe, it's hard to know because, like, the personality of Anthe, would she have been compelled still to act as the Rose Bride, even if it's not. Like,. I don't know. I think that would be we would kind of get a real answer from her finally about who she how she really sees herself because if she sees herself truly as the Rose Bride and only the Rose Bride, then she would be happy to give up the ide- identity of Anthe Himemiya to continue the role of being the Rose Bride. Um, which I, I think is how that would go. I think she would be like, Well no, I'm the Rose Bride and my name and my body may not be the same, but I'm still the Rose Bride. Um 
it's yeah, like you said, it's such an interesting. It's played so comedically, but it like really would have had massive implications on like how all this works. So Togo is right to refer. Well, he refers to the Great Crisis when they're in the hospital, but like the body swap itself would have been like a Great Crisis in terms of like, okay, what 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 are the rules here? Um, But yeah, then we go to the funny drawing. Um, (laughs) She opens Utena as Anthi opens the diary, and she sees he's made this drawing of him, Utena, and Anthi, where he's like standing on Utena. He's drawn her to look very ridiculous, and he calls her an ugly tomboy. So this is the time where like we Utena's like gender nonconformity is like weaponized like against her as like a negative thing. Again, it's been commented on as like as this kind of spectacle is this like interesting thing about her but it's also something that can very easily be used to uh as a derogatory thing mm-hmm. um you know we've seen in the jury duel and the sayonji duel they, i think they both kind of like tease her about being a prince but i think this is like again the first time where her gender expression is like really like called into not called into question but just it's a targeted comment yeah, about the way she this, presents yeah mm-hmm. it's uh like you said derogatory um and yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, it feels very true to how it feels to be gender nonconforming or like queer in real life, where sometimes you are the fun novelty thing, and other times, if you do the wrong thing, though, we could use that against you and make you feel bad for that. Absolutely. Um, so, whew. As resident Butch on the podcast, I'm going to have a lot of like the comments to make on about this in like future episodes. But yeah, like I. I something that is like really interesting um is that like when like kid girls or people who are viewed as as girls um are like growing up like gender non-conforming like being a tomboy is like is a novelty like i remember when i was a, like i was a tomboy growing up like i played i was always playing with the boys at, at recess and like i was dressed up as boys for halloween um i was yeah i was like the textbook tomboy and it was always like it was like a novelty like people are like oh that's so cool like i remember like you know being kind of encouraged in that behavior but um there is like at a certain age that be- it becomes less of novelty and more like threatening to like the order of things i think it's like judith butler who has written about this i've like tangentially like I've read Judith Butler, but not like specifically on this. I'll, for a future episode, I'll, I'll like do more because <laughs> like, I would I would like to talk about this more. Just because like Utina is fourteen and she's at an age where she might be expected to grow out of something like this is so it's yeah you know like, sure. at this age is when where it might be kind of like start being seen as like weird. Absolutely, yeah, and she's like like right on that cusp. Like we said, she's fourteen. She's still in middle school. Um, but presumably going to be in high school very soon. Um, and it's interesting that Sayonji, who is in high school, who is older, is only sees it as a negative. He does not see the charm that the other girls seem to see in Utena. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> a very, very, like, true-to-life the exploration of this very, like, real gender thingy from a fucking anime in the 90s like, <laughs> and again we're gonna have so much to talk about like in future episodes this whole thing smacks of gender spoiler alert little... this whole thing smacks of gender <laughs> um, uh so yeah like we see that utina like starts writing something and then uh we see sayonji in the garden and he's like soon will come the day when we regain our rosy life together He's like kind of like, but like we saw like their life was not rosy. Him and Auntie, he was mean, mean to her. Didn't seem to like her. 
Um, but now suddenly with this distance from her and he's getting all romantic about it and uh, Toga shows up and they have this convo like about like, oh, you're showing your face in the Rose Garden again? <laughs> Toga just being a dick. <laughs> Utna is Anthe, does her best impression of Anthe, um, which is like docile, soft, and high-pitched. And to me, I love it because I think it's, to me, it reads it's Utna doing like, an exaggerated performance of femininity rather than trying to actually be Anthe because Anthe is not very expressive. Uh, she does not like skip and does not go like, <laughs> want you senpai. like, you know, she doesn't talk like that. Um, she's very like measured in the way she speaks. She is soft and, and docile, but like, this is not an impression of Anthe. It's, it, to me, it's like someone who doesn't perform femininity, like trying to be like, okay, what does a girl sound like? I'm like, Utena is technically a girl, but she doesn't, she's not always read as having like the social role of girl. And this to me, to me, reads of her, like her impression of like, if I act like, were to act like a girl, this would be it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is so hilarious, the little run she does. But then I love that she's using it specifically just so she can fuck with Sayonji. So she like, can that's dunk on only, him. The only reason is so she can call him a dumbass to his face. Like, that's all the She didn't need to do any of that. Like, he already is convinced that it's Anthe. There's no need for that. Um, purely just to, like, razz the shit out of him, which I love. Yeah, my additional note is, like, I think, honestly, Utena sounds more like Nanami in her impression than Anthe, which is something to know. Like, I, I, yeah. I don't know, like, what the, what she was, exactly she was aiming for. Again, I think it's more, like, just like, exaggerated femininity. But I think her impression of Anthe is way closer to, like, Nanami. Yeah. Um, Nanami is maybe like her idea of what a typical girl would be, a, um, a normal girl to use yeah. um, the parlance of the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the note is like on the YouTube version, it's uh, translated as dumbass. I also have been watching on Funimation and on Funimation, it's translated to pervert. I don't know which oh, one is more accurate. I, I, and I don't know which one is funnier. <laughs> I both feel accurate to me. Um, I bet, I don't know, I feel like Utena would find it funnier to call it, I don't, I don't know, that's tough. I think dumbass is funnier. Dumbass feels like the thing Utena would say, mm -hmm. but pervert, I think, is like what she would use to like really get at him, to make mm -hmm. him feel even worse about himself. And he's just crushed. He's like so <laughs> crushed. It's so funny. It is, yeah, so perfect. Um, and then I believe this is when uh, Nanami and her friends show up successful after yeah. an encounter with surfboard elephants. So, like, Toga and um, Utenang, like, everyone do, like, a little Scooby-Doo run through the hall. It's really bizarre. <laughs> it, like, does not look like how the show usually looks in terms of, like, people, like, move around the school. Yeah. It's very Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> and a very tan Nanami arrives. Uh, well, well, we also, like, previously, we the last elephant scene we got was when they're in the on the boat in the ocean and then we get the surfing elephants but clearly they've been successful after that surfing elephant debacle and um so she arrives with the spice and she runs towards toga dramatically she's like oh nisama and like flies through the air and choo choo discards a banana peel and she slips on it and the container breaks open and suddenly there's an elephant there and it blows a gust of air on the spice and sends it flying and we learned that's the last of the spice, and it would take 200 years to make more of it. And then we get a flash to Divine Justice once again. <laughs> yeah, it's just the girls being like, as I said, Divine Justice. And then the other girl says, it is. 
and that's it. Yeah, they're like, wait, I don't... Even they're, like, starting to question, like, wait, is this really... Did she earn all this? Um, it's, it's yeah, it's a hilarious scene. The comedic timing of the choo-choo banana throw is so hilarious. It's just, like, instantly so funny. Um, and then uh, we get to... I guess everyone kind of just accepts at that point that this is it, that they're stuck the way they are. The Nami's um, like, tan is gone in the next scene. She's tan for one scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah. She, you know, I, I like tan Nami. She looks pretty good, I thought. <laughs> it's um, just really funny. It's only in the one they did. They couldn't be bothered to do it for the rest of, like, the no, one other all. scene she's in. <laughs> they're like, no, we're done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see Uchina's and Auntie's body really, like, she's, like, laying on the table, and she just says, the rest of my life. She is, like, now, like, I'm stuck as Anthe. I'm stuck and I'm going to have to like be the Rose Bride. It's like, you know, it's like, again, the implications of this is like, she doesn't want to be Anthe because no. she kind of like, she, all she sees is that people slap Anthe and she has to wear this Rose Bride outfit and like wave her hands around in the duel. It was like that what I'm going to be forced to do the rest of my life. And um, Anthe, as Utsuna, has decided to make more curry to cheer yes. everyone up. <laughs> love that for her um and i love sayonji knocking on the window and oh, then what just a like creep like carrying on a conversation through the window it's really <laughs> funny like the, the way it's muffled is, is really good it's perfect and more vo- again more voyeurism like him like looking in through the window at everyone and, and no one makes a move to like let him in no no i wouldn't <laughs> no <laughs> stay outside he's like a vampire he has to be invited yes. um and the Nami's lackeys show up and they found the spice in the cooking classroom unopened, which means it wasn't the spice and it was Auntie's cooking. And I love that Miki's really impressed. He suddenly, he's back on like, oh, he's like, Auntie rules. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's pretty impressive. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get perhaps the best thing that this show could ever give us, um, which is a, yet another body swap. Yes. Um, and here... We get Sayonji and Chuchu, just um, one of the most disturbing images ever put to screen. Um, a, a presumably nude Sayonji <laughs> saying Chu over and over again in a banana. In like the, the, sun, a, the setting a, sun in the background. Yeah, eating a banana in a tree. It's, um, it's uh, disturbing on a lot of levels, um, but also I... It gets me every time. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love Choo I love Choo Choo dressed as Sayonji doing his little kendo. So cute. He he, he deserves to have some ho- more hobbies. Um, he does. So I, I I like this for him. But yeah, it's really funny because Uten and Alti change back with the when the curry explodes. But as a, as a result, perhaps divine justice for Sayonji, um, being a dick. <laughs> yes. Um, has to switch places with Choo Choo. What I don't know what Choo Choo did to deserve this, but no, I mean Choo Choo seems to be doing just fine in Sayonji's body. <laughs> Anna, he got up really high in a tree. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, and presumably that's the way it is for the rest of the show. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was a curry high trip, but this was one other. <laughs> this is going to be a running theme where I go into these goofy episodes like expecting to like breeze through them with nary a thought, and then I'm like, oh, there's actually so much to think about even in these like silly one-offs. Absolutely, yeah. Like the, again, this one's so easy. First time you watch it. You know, you don't take it at face value. It's fun, but when you really like pick apart like 
the way these characters respond to this situation, it informs a lot about, again, the way they view themselves, the way they view each other, and the kind of social roles that they want to uh, perform or not perform. Absolutely. It's uh, fantastic. Um, a plus. I, a give plus. It a I give it a nine. <laughs> what, what's the um, the heat scale for like peppers? The um, whatever. I don't know. I give it a 900 billion fold out of 10 on the <laughs> on the rating. Same here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, Christine, any other closing thoughts on Curry High Trip before we head into um, next week's episode? Yeah, no, I think I, like, covered anything. I think this is also one I'm going to want to, like, kind of reference back in future episodes because I just, I just think it's, like, w- like the the things this episode is getting at about identity are, are going to be relevant in the way we kind of interrogate these characters and later on. So I think I've said all I want to say, but I, I do think we will be discussing this again at some point oh, uh, because it's it's such a juicy episode and it's one that's really fun to return to. Um, on rewatches and once you've seen the whole show um so yeah i have those those are all my thoughts i don't know if you have any last last things to add no i i like you said i feel like we've covered like the we've really hit home these themes that are going to come up later um while also taking all the time we needed to truly enjoy and unpack the comedy in this episode uh, i i feel like it's easy to write off comedy is just like whatever, but they, this show is genuinely hilarious and they know how to be hilarious. So I, I applaud the show um, for tackling these kinds of issues, while also just having fucking elephants on surfboards. Like exactly. A plus. Um, so um, next week, what are we watching? Yeah. So next week we're just doing one episode. I initially paired up a couple, but then I recently showed the, the show to a friend and I watched this episode, next episode. And I was like, Oh, this has to be solo. So next week we're just watching one episode Episode nine, uh, the castle said to hold eternity. So, Ooh. Um, I assume more hijinks are in store for us. Yeah, so. yeah, just very fun stuff. Definitely not any, not anything uh, important happening next episode. Nope. Yeah, uh, very you know fun title <laughs> with absolutely. no no drama. Not at all. Um, well, uh, Christine, do you want to remind the people where they can find you on the internet? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at xteen underscore files. And if you like the reality television program Survivor, you can read my writing about it on insidesurvivor.com. You can just search my name, Christine Palin, and you can see things I've written. And if you're not following the podcast Twitter already, you should because I should post on there. It's just at uh, shadowplaygaze. So I'm hoping you're already following it. But if you're not, uh, you want to see my memes. I'm Derek makes all the business posts on there, like all the actual <laughs> important things. And then I shit post. So absolutely. I your Utena posting is unmatched. I could never even begin. It's kind to... of messed up how good I am at it. <laughs> it is. You were born for this. Um, it's it's terrifying. But I, I 100% support it. And I do not ever want to get in the way of that. Um, my hands look like this so his hands can look like this literally (laughs) Uh, Derek Um, where can people find you well they can find me um, also on this same feed at Bitterger's pod um, on Twitter and Instagram Bitterger's is my friend Sam and I Uh, we talk about um, well usually we talk about Survivor um, but now we're talking about Legend of Korra until uh, Survivor comes back in the next few months September September, we're coming, baby. Um, so, but yeah, right now we're just covering book one of Legend of Korra. 
Um, and then we'll be getting into Survivor 41, but you can follow us there and you can follow me at Rain Dirks on uh, Twitter. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we will be back next week uh, to talk about episode nine, the castle said to hold eternity. And remember to ask us questions, co- send us comments in or whatever in the Google form we have in the bio of the Twitter because um, we will be doing a mailbag episode at the end of the first arc of the show. So be sure to do that. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Christine, for discussing this episode with me. Uh, see you all next week. Yeah, bye.